0: In the Clouds Podcast. In the Clouds is a marketing cloud podcast powered by Lev, the most influential marketing focused Salesforce consultancy in the world. Lev is customer experience obsessed and podcast hosts, Bobby Tishy and Cole Fisher have partnered with some of the world's most well-known brands to help them master meaningful one-on-one connections with their customers. In this podcast, they'll combine strategy and deep technical expertise to share best practices, how to's and real life use cases and solutions for the world's top brands using Salesforce products today. Welcome to the In The Clouds podcast. My name is Robert Tishy, alongside Cole Fisher. Cole, how are you
1: doing today? I'm doing stellar today, Bobby. Thank you, how are you?
0: Oh, you know, I'm just doing great. I really appreciate you asking. It's very thoughtful of you. Hope that you've had a great week, and we're really excited to talk about today's topic: reading, and
1: writing, and arithmetic. <laughs> uh, I can't, I can't keep it up anymore. Uh, Some, <laughs> so, somebody, uh, somebody made the mention uh, that our, our our podcast sounds like an NPR show, so we we tried to NPR soften it up there, but. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't know. I think that should be the opening. That could be a that could rival in the ghetto.
1: It, it, it could. It could. Well, I don't know. We'll have to get some feedback on that. I think the feedback's gonna be please be quiet, but I don't know.
0: We'll have to, yeah, we'll have to pull our audience. We'll have to see what my wife and your mom thinks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. No, oh. his wife is not my mom. <laughs>
0: Boy, Cole, I didn't know we were related. This is strange.
1: I, <laughs> I knew we got along a little too well. I can't
0: wait to see you at Christmas. Oh gosh. Well, thanks everybody for joining. We're going to talk a little bit about migrating from Marketo today. And there's a number of different systems out there. We've helped companies migrate from to Salesforce marketing cloud over the years. And uh, Marketo is one that's come up a lot more recently. Um, It's been one that we've, we've worked with for years. I worked at Marketo for a couple of years as well. And so I've got some behind the scenes knowledge, but I think one of the biggest things that is hard for when companies are, are migrating from one platform to another is that uh, there's always this um, naming convention and nomenclature that's different. And so we would just want to talk through some of those, those highlights and I think the other thing, too, is that why I think we're seeing more of Marketo now and why folks are moving over to Marketing Cloud is because their their integration with Salesforce isn't as great as it once was on the Marketo side. Um, and so as, as more folks are getting ingrained with Salesforce, they're moving more and more towards Marketing Cloud. So we'll highlight the top five things to consider as you're migrating over to Marketo. And hopefully for those of you who are, are on Marketo now and thinking about the switch or even just thinking about migrating. In general, hopefully it'll give you a better sense of things to think about and specific things to make sure that you're looking at when you're thinking about the switch.
1: So a couple of really important things to think about, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this when, and this was probably more true a few years ago, but uh, at LEV, a lot of our implementation work, uh, especially for like, you know, first time or new uh, marketing cloud users a lot of it felt like we were redoing implementations that had been done before, or like redoing another partners or self-implementation or something like that. And a, a couple of the, the core reasons for this is because first off, people are thinking of this as a lift and shift from their old ESP into the new ESP into marketing cloud. And then once they have everything in place, you know per their old instance, um, then they could, they have this you know dream of well we'll just get you know apples to apples in place and then we'll take care of you know getting all these uh, you know new features and you know evolving in all these new exciting ways and the, you know taking advantage of all the reasons we bought Marketing Cloud in the first place. But the problem with that is they have an old data model, all these you know everything that was built around an old ESP, you know in this case Marketo, that doesn't align to what Marketing Cloud really does. Um, and so, you know, if you think about it in terms of lift and shift, you're really creating more work for yourself than you're actually resolving and you don't get to take advantage of all those, you know, new bells and whistles and things like that, that spawned the whole reason you were buying marketing cloud in the first place. And that kind of brings us to the second big issue. And one of the, you know, more critical errors that we see, and honestly, one of the more common things we see is. A lot of the times we look at this from like an IT or technical solution uh, lens when we think about what that implementation should look like. And Bobby, I think we were on a meeting just even earlier today where we were discussing this. And the fact of the matter is you know, marketing cloud is so malleable. There's so much you can do and there's so much flexibility in how you do it that there's literally like eight or nine ways to do almost anything you can picture. And so just because there's a technical way that you can implement something doesn't mean that's the best way. So what you really want to do is start with those overarching business goals Think of the objectives you're trying to solve and what those use cases should look like. So think about it without a technical lens whatsoever and think about it purely as what is the end state? What am I looking for and what is, you know, from the customer lens, from a strategy lens? You know, from meeting you know company goals and objectives, whether that's revenue or growth or engagement, whatever I'm looking for, and how am I solving those problems? And then we back into it from the technical solution standpoint, because that's really where we can start taking advantage of uh, of everything that marketing cloud can offer. Again, it's so flexible and there's so much you can do with it that I feel like this is one of the worst errors we see is that we jump the gun on solving a technical. Solution, rather than really thinking about it from a business standpoint first. So I feel like those, like between that and the lift and shift, those are our two big ones that we see habitually across any ESP. Um, Yeah, there's.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say the the only other thing I would say there too is that there's always you know the different or the the reasons why someone might be migrating from Marketo or any other system to Marketing Cloud or, or just making a switch in general. There's always like different reasons, right? It might be to your point, um, business reasons. We, uh, we want to increase our automation or increase personalization, or we're just not happy with the platform we're on or it's a bad relationship with the vendor, or we don't feel like we get the service that we should, or the platform isn't meeting the needs that we have. And in any of those situations um, the Almost always the business is leading that change, right? Like IT or tech or the development team, they're certainly a part of that. And there might be certain areas, you know, when we think about Marketo or other platforms where they fall short technically. But the business is really typically driving that change. And so it's it's really important that as they're driving that change, they're intimately involved in the implementation and the migration, not just the selection of a new platform.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it almost, I mean, when we think about it. You know, in that manner, it's almost counterintuitive how, you know, that when when shopping for a new ESP goes on, we are addressing all these pain points. We are addressing the business cases and things like that. But once it's actually been selected, it seems counterintuitive that the business kind of takes a, the you know a backseat role and turns it over to you know technical or whatever the marketing or something like that. That that doesn't have really, you know, necessarily that top of mind awareness of what those business cases are that, that we're trying to solve for. So it seems very odd that that's a really common practice that once the ESP is selected, then that business case almost you know, goes backseat for, you know, for us. It's very strange. Um, and I think the other thing is, and this is, this is more um, specific to Marketo, But the whole part about, you know, thinking about lift and shift, but when we think about the entire data model itself, Marketo uses a a completely different data model than, you know, or or a much less flexible data model than what is in Marketing Cloud. And so you can really do a lot of of different, um, you know, a, a lot of different things in Marketing Cloud that Marketo doesn't really allow. So they follow a very strict like leads, accounts, and opportunity model. And marketing cloud is, you know, entirely customizable in how you do that. And so it's in a, the fact that it's a relational database and you're not using, you know, lists and your your, your structure is completely different um, is something to really think about. If you're trying to do a lift and shift on leads, accounts, and opportunity from Marketo into marketing cloud, you're gonna hamstring yourself right off the bat.
0: Especially because, like you mentioned, the you know, no business has a predetermined data model, right? Not there's no business that we've ever worked with or any architecture that we've come across that's exactly like any other one. And so obviously, if you're on Marketo and you're, and you're primarily B2B, the leads, counts opportunity model might not be bad. But even within that, there are going to be nuances. And you can build out custom objects in Marketo just like you can in sales cloud. Within Salesforce. So you've got some flexibility there. But if you are a B2B company and you happen to have B2C and you're direct to consumer or you're B2B to C, there are all these different permutations that require different data models um, or just may not require it, but it makes the job a lot easier for the marketers to do their job. And so it's, it's really hand, it, it really can be a handcuff um, or uh, handcuffs. Is that what? Well, is that a thing? What? Why am I blanking on what a handcuff is?
1: <laughs> I said hamstrung, but you could be handcuffed to a bad data model. You that absolutely way, right? could
0: be. I haven't been. <laughs> I haven't been arrested before, so I don't know if it, if it's handcuff or anyway. Well, so not,
1: not under your current alias, at least. So Bobby Tishy's may not. You know, Robert Tishy. I don't know. Like there There's a reason you're using another alias here.
0: No comment. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So yeah, that's that's a big thing, and especially when we do start doing demos or start talking to folks about the data model or the way that the backend data model works in the marketing cloud, they're always super excited about the fact that we can make it whatever we need it to be, and they can always add on to it later on. Um, there's not They're not tied into a specific data model as they get going. We're interrupting this episode of In the Clouds to let you know that registration for Ultraviolet is officially open. Ultraviolet is LEV's first ever conference for digital marketers. Join us virtually on April 6th and 7th for more than 30 sessions of content, combining marketing strategy with top-notch technical skills and keynote speakers you won't want to miss. You will leave empowered to put your marketing plans into action. Register today at ultravioletconference.com. The fourth highlight that we wanted to mention is all around the translations between Marketo and Salesforce Marketing Cloud. We mentioned at the beginning, there's always different naming conventions, nomenclatures between platforms. And so just a couple of the most common ones. So especially for those who are using Marketo or have used Marketo, you'll recognize some of these. On the Marketo side, a smart campaign is um, equal to an automation. On the Salesforce Marketing Cloud side, it could also be a journey. So... For those familiar with marketing cloud, journeys can really do just about anything we want them to do at this point. Um, There's still obviously some use cases and specific things we want to use automations for, but smart campaigns equate to automations. A nurture campaign would be equated to a journey at this point on the Salesforce marketing cloud side. Landing page would be equal to a cloud page on the Salesforce marketing cloud side. Uh, Within Marketo, they have, For their lists or their audiences, they're called either smart lists or static lists. So a smart list is where a segment or a list might be automatically updated. Um, So uh, there might be a filter tied to it. So you can think about this as a a filter data extension or an automation or attorney segmentation. And then on a static list side, this is really, you can think about this as a data extension audience. So it's just a a one-time list that someone's built, and maybe they're imported to it, or they've built a query off of it, and they're not recurring, uh, or they haven't built an automation to have it update on a recurring basis. A couple other things that we want to mention as far as Marketo and Marketing Cloud is concerned. um, Marketing Cloud does not have lead scoring. So we know Marketo natively does because it was primarily built originally as a B2B marketing automation tool. Marketing Cloud originally built as a uh, B2C marketing automation tool. Um, So obviously, Pardot has that capability on the Salesforce side, but Marketing Cloud does have a partner, a company called SalesWings, that you can leverage. And we've had a number of different customers leverage this to utilize lead scoring within the platform. We've also built customized lead scoring um, elements through automations, as well as journeys. So there are ways to assign different grades or scores to contacts, even though it doesn't have native lead scoring. And then the last thing is around programs. And for those of you who know Marketo, you, you know that term intimately. But uh, the best example of this is, you know, on Marketo, you might have like a webinar program. And within Marketo, a webinar program can be built as a template and all of the assets can be copied to Marketo. In Mar- Marketing Cloud, assets are built independently of one another. Um, so you, you'll do all that within Content Builder. Um, so you can upload a, an image, you can create a landing page, you can do all those things, but you'll just organize them a bit differently. So as you're going through the implementation, whether you're working, with a, um, working on it on your own or with a, a consulting partner or a systems integrator, but just make sure you're thinking about a really nice naming convention or folder name folder structure to make sure you're organizing these different programs. I mean, you can still copy all these assets and things. It's just a, different, a little bit different of a workflow uh, than it is on the Marketo side. So number five, the last thing we want to touch on is when you're migrating. And this really kind of goes back to the piece of... Uh, recommendation we had at the beginning of this is not just for Marketo, right? This could be for any platform. So a couple of key things here is syncing unsubscribes between platforms. So you'll almost always dual send with the platform you're on today and the platform that you're migrating to. So what a really good idea is to make sure that you've got some kind of like batch file process, or even if it's manual, you know, once every couple of days, sync unsubscribes between the platforms since you are sending from both to make sure you're spam compliant. Because if you're migrating from Marketo to Marketing Cloud, you're sending from both and unsubscribes are not shared in between, you run the risk of can spam compliance issues, bad deliverability, because you're still sending to people that have unsubscribed, even though they did it from a different platform. The second piece is phased migration. So do not perform a hard cutover. It's really difficult to do. Just make a plan and execute against it. Make sure you've got a good consultant or someone that can help you as you're going through this process. As we think about migrations, we typically think of them as starting with any kind of a batch or ad hoc email send, Um, just focusing on the email channel for now, then move to anything that's automated, then move to any kind of nurture or journey, and last but not least would be anything that's triggered to real-time operational or transactional type of sends.
1: Yeah, and that's a really good point too because it it feels like if you've not done an ESP migration before I, one of the common questions that comes from uh, a customer is like, will there be downtime during this migration? And we should probably just throw out a warning that if anybody ever tells you, yes, you should run far and fast. Um, Sure. The reason you don't want to do this because it sounds wrong to have two ESPs firing at the same time. It's like, Oh, you know, isn't that, you know, I'm, I'm paying for two ESPs. Well, you, you want to, for those very reasons. If you're not phasing out of one and tapering into the other, then, then you're going to set yourself up for a lot of problems, not just to mention downtime, but the inability to unsubscribe from the, the previous platform, interruptions of automations, not being able to, to you know, set up a, a sender reputation, things like that. That's, that's a real problem. So if you don't have two ESPs operating at the same time during a migration, you're, you're in trouble.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And while there, well, there might be some areas where you've got to switch integrations or things like that, there really should never be a time where you're not able to do what you need to do to run your business successfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple uh, last things, give yourself padding for the IP warming timeline. You know, Most of the time for one IP address, it's about four to six weeks, but depending on the volume, you might have more than one IP address. Um, So you'll want to take that into account. Just make sure you give yourself some time. IP warming is almost always run into a hiccup or two. It's not because anyone's doing anything wrong. It's just because ISPs have become really protective of their subscribers and customers over the course of the last dozen years or so. And then lastly, specifically, uh, when you're thinking about the end dates and that sort of thing. And again, this could be Marketo or any other platform. Once you've completely migrated off of the platform you're coming over from, and you're fully sending from marketing cloud, you'll want to have about a a full month before your contract ends with your current provider um, before you lose access. And that's that's the main thing around unsubscribes again, is there will be unsubscribes that trickle in either from your preference center or ISP feedback loops. So just making sure that you're grabbing those and bringing them over to Marketing Cloud is important. So just a quick recap of the five main things um, that we talked about when you're migrating over to Marketing Cloud from Marketo. Um, Think of your migration as a clean slate. Don't just lift and shift. Make sure that your business goals and objectives are front and center, and you're really solutioning towards those make sure that you're thinking about Marketo and how it has a predetermined data model. So moving over to Marketing Cloud and having it completely customizable is a, is a big win. And you'll want to probably reshape some, of the, way some of you, the way you do some of the things that you do on the marketing side. Uh, go back and listen to those translations again if you're going through from Marketo to Marketing Cloud and just some of those key learnings from when, you, when you're migrating, making sure that you're syncing unsubscribes, you're doing it in a face fashion, give yourself a little bit of padding. On the IP warming front. So jumping over to completely unrelated, since it is March, and hopefully this plays in March. I mean, I guess we don't really know. (laughs) Or you're listening to it in March. Whatever you're listening to it, it doesn't matter. But favorite March Madness tradition.
1: And I love me some March Madness. Is
0: it... Is it all around the NCAA tournament? Is it just because you like spring? Like, what's the what's the highlight of March?
1: If I'm being perfectly honest, part of it is the fact that like things are thawing out a little bit. I I love I I do enjoy the springtime. So you know things are looking up, days are getting longer. I enjoy that part. That only amplifies what's going on because I think the Thursday Friday of March Madness is the two most exciting days in sports. And you know this is coming from like a you know, mostly hockey and, you know, uh, football and stuff like that. I, I'm a big fan, but like when it comes to college basketball, like this is, I don't get really into college basketball, like the whole season leading up to it until like conference playoff time. Cause I need to know the seating and I get super into the brackets and, you know, starting a pool with friends and stuff like that. And, and, you know, losing terribly because every year I remember like the one year that I got four for four on the final four. And I was like, oh, you know, this, this feels good. Right. Where I, where I, you know, I missed like like five or six total games the entire time. I was like, I was on point. I started putting money on this and now I've just been losing ever since. But I love that idea of like, you know, there's so many games, there's, you know, almost an infinite number of possibilities, a 0% chance of getting a perfect bracket, but so much excitement, so many upsets and stuff like that. Um, So mine, mine is probably filling out the brackets, things like that. Although this year I'm starting for the first time, uh, for you know, for my first time, uh, the tradition of what's called beefsteak. So at St. Elmo's downtown, they have like all you can eat, all you can drink, and like games on. And I guess it's just you know. Oh, that's up, cool. You, you wear an apron because apparently you need it. Uh, and I've not been here yet, but apparently it's 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 great. And I don't know if you know this about me, Bobby, but I love food. So oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go, I'm gonna do some work.
0: I don't know. I might have to make a trip up for that. That sounds awesome. Oh yeah. What about you? Uh, how, What's your favorite? Well, before we go there, how many brackets do you usually fill out?
1: Um, well, I usually only do like one. If I'm in like multiple pools, like I'll, I'll do slight iterations of it on the games that I was less confident in or the ones where I think I have lower odds of winning, I'll pick more uh, bold upsets. So I'm like, you know what? I feel like that 11 seed could make it. You know, I'll, I'll pick them. I'll pick them this time. <laughs> so and the, so, like and i know everybody does that but then everybody's got like they have like you know both iterations of this game so they're like oh you know the 11 seed one i called that I was like, yeah in one of your it doesn't matter you know if you missed it in four out of your five brackets that doesn't you can't brag about that that's not fair
0: so I, it sounds like you got about three dozen you feel out each year <laughs> <laughs> are you also a multiple fantasy football league guy
1: you know what i didn't play fantasy football this year in fact I, the the first time i ever played fantasy football was at salesforce and i just thought like hey you know i don't know the first thing about fantasy football and i'm too much of a colts fan to like to to what i thought would be to pick intelligibly and, and not because i couldn't pick any patriots i wouldn't i wouldn't take Brady, you know over over luck at the time um and i was like well you know i'm on a new team here like this will just be a way for me and I'll pay the 20 bucks or whatever. And I'll just, I'll probably get owned in this league. And uh, it'll just be a way to make friends and, you know, meet people. And so I, I, I named my team first place, assuming I'd get last. Uh, and I ended up, I ended up winning and I was set, Needless to say, I did not make any friends <laughs> out of that. Cause uh, that, that, backfired, although I did win. So that was, that was fun.
0: I love the idea of people not knowing you and then like logging in to see the standings. We're like, who's this jerk this arrogant guy who <laughs> is winning everything and his name is first place for his team
1: that's totally how it came off to and i assumed i would get dead last with that name and it would be the irony and you know i'd be the lovable loser that everybody could get along with but that uh, yeah that, <laughs> that
0: well if anybody wrote. if anybody knows you they know that you're extremely arrogant and just the worst so <laughs> i'm not surprised all facts I, I i i couldn't agree more on the thursday friday i i usually take those two days off of work Or like, I'll just work in the morning and then like right at noon, I'll, I'll turn on the TV and just watch the whole day and like order wings or, um, or just something like that where you're just sitting and eating and drinking and just not thinking about anything else. It's such a fun day The I I don't do brackets anymore. Uh, I did them for a long time and I think it was probably like, probably like 10 or 12 years ago, I stopped doing them. And the main reason was is because I couldn't enjoy the games. Like I was too invested. That's why also why I quit fantasy football about a dozen years ago is because I would just get too like I'd be like I want this player to do well. I don't care about the game. And so mm-hmm. I just stopped doing it so that way I could enjoy like the upsets and the last minute you know buzzer beaters and not have to be upset that the team I picked lost or something like that. So I I, I thoroughly enjoy it so much more than I did before. Um, I miss like actually filling out the bracket though. Cause it was such a fun thing to do. Like after selection Sunday, you, know, you go in, you pick all the games and stuff. And like for those like three days before the tournament, you're like, I'm going to win like this whole ESPN <laughs> thing. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, well, thanks everybody for listening. We really appreciate it. As always, you can uh, message us at in the clouds at love If you've got any topics or subjects that you want to hear, hear about um, or anything like that,